Hello, this is James Watson, and welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity Chronicles. Now, we're doing things differently today. I'm joined by two colleagues from NetSwitch, but they are actually Sean Mahoney and Michael Lassiter. So Michael is a cybersecurity architect uh, at NetSwitch, and he's joining us for the first time on this podcast. And the reason why Michael's joining us is because he's uh, the true expert on the topic that we want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree. Uh, the, top, the main topic we want to talk about is is something which um, has caused quite a lot of confusion in the marketplace, uh, I, I believe, Sean. Um, would you like to kick off and talk about the topic and, and introduce Sure. Sure. So it's about time we have an expert in the topic we want to talk about <laughs> on this podcast. So yeah, so Michael is our cybersecurity architect. Uh, Michael holds degrees in uh, criminal justice and cybersecurity with forensics, has a master's degree in uh, cybersecurity, and he is currently also a professor at the University of Arizona teaching uh, future white hat hackers uh, their craft. And so, you know, a lot of when we're talking to customers um, and we want to talk about the vulnerabilities within their networks or their websites, uh, the question comes up about vulnerability assessments or VAs and penetration tests. And what's the difference? Why do I need to do a penetration test if you guys are taking care of my vulnerability or identifying my vulnerabilities, helping me identify those, and I have a team patching them, um, why do I need to do a pen test? And so as those conversations evolve, uh, you know, we needed to answer those things. So for our audience today, it was really just, hey, well, why don't we just go straight to the horse's mouth, so to speak, and ask Michael, uh, who does this stuff uh, and has done this stuff for our clients, um, What's the difference, Michael? What's the difference between a vulnerability assessment and a penetration test? Well, at a very high level overview, a vulnerability assessment or a VA is a external, most of the time, overview of weaknesses and vulnerabilities that an organization or a company has. And although a vulnerability assessment can give a great in-depth look into the current vulnerabilities or the threats that are within the environment, the vulnerability assessment includes no exploitation. There is no simulation of a threat actor. There's no simulation of what a black hat can do from the outside. We have no current knowledge of the internal infrastructure of organization. A pen test, on the other hand, includes exploitation. It goes a, a little more in depth than a vulnerability assessment and also includes post-exploitation, if applicable, and it also can show the business impact of what an organization could experience if a threat actor was capable of exploiting a vulnerability and then going a step further into actually releasing sensitive data to the public. Hmm. So who should be doing these pen tests? Who should be doing them? Um, what types of organizations? No, as an organization, what types of organizations should ha be having pen tests done? Oh, gracious. Um, you're speaking of those <laughs> who particularly deal with certain compliance standards like PCI, DSS. They require pen tests annually. Um, those who are 
incorporating HIPAA as an example should also include a pen test. Even though HIPAA doesn't demand or require a pen test, generally speaking, they should look into having one um, because a pen test from a HIPAA standpoint can definitely point out insecure configurations, you know, things that are, that are not applied from at least a best practice standpoint should receive a pen test. And, and also just by from a compliance standard, if someone has PCI as part of their regulatory, they should have one anyway. And how often are those? Are they? Well, PCI demands one per year. Okay. But since we see so many things happening in a while and new threats, new vulnerabilities, um, I will always recommend at least uh, two uh, per year for those dealing with um, PCI, maybe even more so. HIPAA, I would definitely do at least a once or perhaps once every three or four months um, just because there are certain um, organizations within the HIPAA standpoint where they will look at their own risk and say, well, we know we have this risk, but we don't have the time to fix it. And we can't afford the significant downtime to fix it. So we would just rather agree to being a sitting duck and hoping nothing happened. And I've seen that happen multiple times. So we have uh, a client, uh, James, that recently uh, was talking to us about doing, uh, making sure that they were going to be able to be CMMC level three or level four uh, mm -hmm. certified. And so, Michael, talk a little bit about uh, what a pen test uh, falls into CMMC, if you might, NIST, the NIST 800. Um, a pen test will show if a company has the appropriate policies, procedures in place. It would also show if an, a company was capable of responding to an attack and to a breach and having that internal processes refined to have an appropriate response. You know, many comes through tabletop exercises where they say, well, if an attacker was capable of compromising us, are we able to respond sufficiently? And if they're unable to do so, a pen test could possibly show if they're capable of responding, especially if they have the correct things internally, such as proper backups, uh, certain things they should have in place to minimize damage that could be caused by a breach. So, so when you say the is the company prepared to respond, do you mean by a defensive response by the penetration tester, being able to identify that the testers in areas and and repel them? or that there's an incident response plan and, and triggers are starting to fall and people are starting to be notified? Well, as, as part of the pen test, when you're dealing with the reporting deliverables, those are some of the added features can be addressed. Whereas in a company could be challenged by saying, are you able to fix this? If this was exploited by a black hat, if they say no, then that warrants for another discussion on how to be in the right position to respond if that was to occur. Basically, you know, the pen tester can point out if they have the appropriate means to do it. And I'd rather say a pen tester do it than a black hat. Yeah. 
<laughs> so when we're when we have someone that wants a pen test done, are there different levels of pen tests, like a, a white hat, black hat, gray mm-hmm. hat? What mm-hmm. are the differences amongst those three? Well, um, generally speaking, a white hat knows basically everything. Everything is 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 told and handed to the white hat. He knows the network topology. He knows all the diagrams. Everything is at his disposal. Gray hat, he has limited knowledge. He may not know every single piece of the infrastructure, but he knows a little bit. Black hat absolutely knows nothing. The black hat is completely responsible for gathering all of the information to proceed forward to Pentest. So the black hat is the best simulation of the outside threat actor. The the gray hat is someone who knows a little bit what he can gather online or perhaps knows some inside things. But the white hat knows everything, which generally speaking, the white hat could actually be the most dangerous. In some cases, if you have a disgruntled employee who worked on the cloud infrastructure or something of that nature, that person knows everything. So now you can have a disgruntled employee who was terminated, who is now the black hat because that person is no longer from the inside, but knows everything from the inside. So, you know, those are generally speaking your, your main three cases. So when the tester is working with uh, a customer doing a pen test, what is an effective, what tends to be the most effective uh, way of doing it? A white hat may not be necessarily effective if they're basically given the keys to the kingdom and they know mm-hmm. everything about the company. So mm-hmm. is is testing an environment and helping the company strengthen their their vulnerabilities from an infrastructure standpoint, is it better to have a gray hat or a black hat? It really depends on just what the company wants to test. Let's say they want to test and see how well their policies and purchase refine. If they want to test, see if their firewalls and seams are really sensitive to determining what's, what's normal versus what's an anomaly. If they really want to test all the way through, they will go from a black hat standpoint, but a gray hat is also a good choice. Let's say they want to test to see if someone is able to gather information about them online through passive recon. You know, a gray hat could be where if the company has such a great external presence, mm-hmm. they may want to choose a gray hat because they know there's data and information about them everywhere online. So they may want a gray hat just to simulate somebody who can gather about them online, but still doesn't know everything about them. So that, that ends up with some spear phishing attacks then in those cases. Yeah, most definitely. I've got a question for you, Michael. So I'm a, let's say I'm a business owner and I recognize the need for penetration testing, let's say. How do I know that the person that I engage to do penetration testing is going to do a good job? Mm, great question. You will want to um, look into his experience, look into his understanding your need. 
the scope goes alongside your need. What they're doing should never go beyond your need. So a great pen tester is not someone who can just launch exploits or run some scans and call it a day. It's making, it's being sure that what you want to be addressed in the pen test is exactly what is addressed. You know, with pen testing, it's not so much as in what someone's able to do, it's also understanding what they should not do. And as an example, use myself as an example, I don't execute denial of services. I don't execute social engineering. I don't I don't send a bunch of um, data to one particular port during a production environment that could cause a shutdown. You know, um, it's being able to know how to test what you're asking for without causing you harm. I guess you want to find that the uh, the way to deploy Eternal Blue without actually deploying Eternal Blue. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you find a, a, a SMB port opens some vulnerable services running around that we can talk Eternal Blue too, <laughs> which they yeah. shouldn't happen, but it does happen. I actually, um, I consulted a hospital a couple of years ago that did not want to apply the patch when Microsoft released it. The patch was already out three or four months in a while. They couldn't afford to apply the patch. They were reached. So if I'm a business owner and I'm a small company, um, everything we do is in the cloud. I don't have any physical on-prem infrastructure or servers or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you do a pen test there? Configurations. Because the legalities where now Google and certain other cloud service providers did enable some things to be pen tested, but it's not actually the service itself. That's the scope of the pen test. It's the configurations within what you have under their search provision that's that's under the that falls within the scope of the pen test. So as a prime example, um access control, you know, um Pen testing the cloud usually tests access control, authorization, what's protecting the deployment of it, not exactly the actual service provider. That's usually out of scope. So that means that when I'm using a cloud server from Azure or AWS, they may provide a compliant bucket or server for me and I need to configure it properly, and that's really what you're going to test. Mm -hmm. Because if it's on the cloud, best believe it could be facing externally, which is why it's worth a pen test, because it's the configuration of the cloud which falls right. on your hand. So misconfiguration could be compromised. So looking at the vulnerability assessments um, and the differences between a pen test, uh, what about the vulnerability assessments? How often that should they be done? Oh, vulnerability assessments, I would say very often. I would say approximately, uh, depending on the nature of the data. If you're dealing with very confidential data, very sensitive data, I would say according to the severity of the data, but I would say maybe every 60 days or less. It really depends on just your data and what you're working with. Some may have a need 
for a vulnerability assessment every month. Some may have a need for every two, but it really depends on the type of data that the organization is working with. For me, if, if, if I'm working with very top secret, very sensitive data, I want to run vulnerability assessments every month. I want to know what I'm looking at. I want to know if I have low-hanging fruit that I overlook, you know, those things. So are there any sort of certifications to, or how do you, as James asked earlier, how do you qualify a pen test result as being valid? (laughs) Because, because you could say, well, I didn't find anything. Well, great. That means my team's doing a great job. But in reality, oh, wow. you were you were catching up on Simpsons reruns. Well, I would I will probe into what was used and performed during the pen test. Um, most pen tests have a statement of work, and statement of work is going to include your rules and engagements, and sometimes the tools that are used. So I would say, well. What other tools were used? Were your tools updated? Did you go behind the tools and perform manual validation? Or did you just run the tool only and count that only as a pen test? Which technically speaking, at that point, it wouldn't be a pen test. Um, my go-tos on the way that I perform my pen test is I always go behind the tool and perform manual validation. So I give the client the extra assurance this vulnerability does exist because I have two burdens of proof. I have the automated scan proof and my manual proof. I do that with every single thing that I do. So they know if it's in the report, it's 100% there. And sometimes I find vulnerabilities that a tool cannot find. And, And be honest, that's usually the case most of the time when I pen test, it's usually between 15 and 6%. The findings were found manually, not automatically. Well, I, I, I've got a question on that. So if you went, let's say, to an average commercial provider of penetration testing, would you say the majority of them would do an automated scan using a tool and not do the manual part of it? So they're really just relying on the tool alone. Um, is that pretty common, would you say? It is very common. It is, it is so common that it has created the confusion that all of us have addressed the beginners recording in regards to what's the difference between a VA and a PT. Just using the, the two only has created this confusion within the cybersec world. Um, <laughs> so yes, many a times they have just used the tool and, and let it and let it run, but the tool is subject to a few things is subject to its updates. Is it updated properly? You know, what what the real-time feed is coming from because a vulnerability scanning is only good as the signatures and the vulnerabilities is pulling from its own database. So if it's not updated in real time, you may lack real-time reconnaissance on what you're dealing with. So you act at the mercy of the tool. And, and I'll put some managerial perspective on what Michael just said. The, the signature antiviruses are signatures, meaning that the industry, the cybersecurity industry, the security industry has identified that this 
so this program is bad. It's going to do something to you and it knows how to fix it. So there's now a signature to identify it and essentially a vaccine to keep it from executing. That's a signature. So what people here in the in b- the business world are zero day attacks or signatureless attacks is those types of attacks have no way to automatically stop them. Mm-hmm. So and, and just and, and throw like a little a little cool cyber tidbit. Um, there are certain techniques that a black hack would do, like using PowerShell. <laughs> and use PowerShell <laughs> basically to create fileless malware yep. to bypass many of the AVs that are out there. So they know what they have to do to bypass an AV solution, which points back to the manual testing. That's a big piece of pen testing itself. So you know, it's very important not just to rely just on an automated report. You know, you should add some extra weight. And just to be sure, I'd rather have a client be just satisfied knowing they have a quality report than to be full of questions. You know, and it's always best practice to remove any false positives. I've seen right. some very well-known commercial tools spit out many times a great number of false positives that I had to manually remove from a report before delivery. So Michael, how often do you find uh, the greatest weaknesses to in any organization to be the people over the hardware? How often? Um, yeah. It happens somewhat. It really depends on what I find doing manual validation. Um, I find that if there's something configured insecurely, I may find it manually more so than automatically. Um, a, a good example is when a client can have a database that's not protected from a security standpoint. A tool may bypass it. I may manually go, wait a minute, this shouldn't face the public. <laughs> you know, this shouldn't face the public, you know. And I was and I was able to do that for a client. I was able to repeat the database name, the username, the IP addresses, and different other things that was literally on my screen. I said, I shouldn't be able to see this. And what and one particular funny story was um I came across a vulnerability, it's a very common one where if you was to type james you just type your information in like your login and password it would be in plain text so i had a little bit of a fun so what i did i typed as my password why are you seeing this (laughs) but they understood my point why are you seeing my password in plain text so it's it happens. It really does. Yeah. Well, I, I've got a question, uh, Sean. I don't know whether it's best for you or for Michael. Um, but NetSuite offers a penetration testing as a service. So I, I'm kind of curious as to what what does that look like, and how does that compare to 
what how organizations typically engage or for their penetration tests yeah so it's a service we're starting to do uh because more organizations are needing a pen test or they want a pen test done they're they're starting to see that as michael has described the need for a pen what a pen test truly does uh and it helps them secure the things that need to be secured and it's not it's not necessarily a game of gotcha with their security team or even their IT team. It's hey guys, because so much so much is changing with hardware pieces devices coming in and out of networks. People are throwing applications into their environment all the time. So much is open source anymore that a penetration test helps helps identify some of these vulnerabilities that just come up. And uh, it's it's not a whole lot different than driving your car. Something's gonna some vulnerability with driving your car could be there, but the mechanic needs to point it out to you. You need to have this fixed, or you're going to have an accident. It's not a lot different, and so we're starting to do that more and more. And um, Michael, why don't you talk about some of the pen tests that we're capable of doing? Oh, most definitely, I can speak to this. So. Um, we're able to do a couple of things. Um, one is, is by application testing. Um, the other one is network pen testing. Looking to some cloud pen testing too. Those are our top three offerings just because that's the most common um, domains you find that find under certain regulatories. If you look at pen testing, um, network and web are a little interrelated where an attacker could compromise a web application and if it's configured and secured to a certain standpoint, he can't have access to a network. So we test those two domains because they are connected. And plus, as you mentioned, the cloud, cloud is coming in the hand as well. Uh, so those are some of the pen testing we offer. Um, and, you know, it's pen testing that gives you the business impact of every vulnerability, not just a report that's full of findings and you don't understand how it affects your business. Um, the reports will let you know what you need to do, how to mitigate, but most and most importantly, what could affect your business depending on which vulnerability is, is the most significant. So that's the extra weight that we have. So we're going to show what's wrong, show you how to fix it. And when you do that, when you get that report, you see all the vulnerabilities that the penetration test has identified, and we tell you how to fix each one of them. Go ahead and do it, and we'll do another pen test within a couple of weeks after you've been able to fix all those things and to verify that they were done correctly, and we'll work with you to get those things done the right way. You know, it's not unusual for companies to f fall victim to a pen test. I think a recent study had 90 to 95% of companies are penetrated from external uh, in a mm. pen test. But that's what you want. You want to be able to identify those things. And like I said, it's not a failure when you do them in an effective manner like uh, Michael's talked about. You identify those weaknesses and fix them to strengthen your perimeters. How much do penetration tests cost? And and. Uh, because I, I've heard that they're pretty cheap, pretty expensive. <laughs> they, they can be fairly ex they can be fairly expensive, but it, it's all going to depend upon you're going to get what you pay for in many cases. As Michael said, mm -hmm. many of them are automated. 
So when they're just going to do an automated penetration test, you know, you could miss some of the biggest vulnerabilities within your network or whatever you're penetration testing. Um, and so you want to be able to have uh, a, certainly that human factor that has that inquisitive mind, like Michael was describing, where he's gone in and seen something that the, the software, the automated portion skipped over, but it looked really juicy and good to him because mm-hmm. humans are inquisitive. And especially a hacker, they, they're curious people by nature, and so they want to look at those things. So you want to have that balance of the automated software doing certain things, but you also want that inquisitiveness of the human being doing it uh, because the human being is going to think like users, and especially a good hacker is going to think just like your security team. If they see something, okay, well, they probably did this. They probably have these uh, security measures in place, these security tool, these kinds of security tools in place. How stealthy do I need to be? Um, you know, all those sort of things. So they can be fairly expensive if you're going to use people, but it's also more effective to use people than just rely upon, oh, well, I can get that pen test for this amount. You look at it, it's automated, it's limited in scope, it's limited in the number of IPs. And so you really need a penetration test that is comprehensive to the requirements of your business and certainly in any of the regulatory or framework compliances you're trying to meet. And I also want to add to what Sean said. Um, that Yes, there's a lot of variance in what a pen test can cost. Um, I, would, I would say this also, look into the type of pen tester you are engaging. Um, as an example, you have you have some pen testers where they have a very what's the word very static um, cost on how they pen test, but there's no variance, so they may charge per this or per that. But as as for me, I always look at from okay, um, what is critical to the client? As example, as example, if, if excuse me, if a client has a site that doesn't really have a lot of complexity to it. And let's say it doesn't have much of anything, no login fields. Uh, it doesn't have, you know, a database tied to it. Let's say it's mostly a brochure type of site. And let's say that one site is mixed with 10 other different domains that are sensitive. So a pen tester who cares would say, well, your most sensitive targets are over here. You have one that's not. So you're not going to be charged for that particular site the same way as the other ones because there's no sensitivity tied to it. It's basically a brochure site. It's giving customer mm-hmm. information about your business. So there's an ethical layer to pen testing that I want to uh, I'll always hone in on and that ethical portion is what we shall continually maintain and that will allow us to be different. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. You know, one um, of the last I- things, James, is that, you know, Michael sort of touched on it earlier and I think we've talked about it in the past is that you can have uh, people with credentials and you have people with skills and they don't always have the credentials. They don't only have the initials after their names. So, you know, as Michael said, you want to know who you're working with uh, and their background. And sometimes they have the they have the classroom experience, but they don't have the tangible real life experience of actually trying to penetrate networks or working within networks, trying to find the vulnerabilities. 
with 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 credentials, as I was playing to somebody earlier, they're great, but the most credentials are obtained through a virtual lab, a very close environment where you're learning. Nothing wrong with those things, but one must know how to function and execute a pen test during production environments. And one can never learn that in a close-up environment because you have to be ethical and need permission to test something in a production environment. So in many cases, you can have someone with credentials, but they don't know how to execute a pen test in a production environment. So that's the area that a client should look into. Very nice, very nice. And actually, I was my my final question was was um, was there a question that we should have asked you, Michael? That, <laughs> that, that we, that we haven't. <laughs> a question you should have asked me. Um, Which is a way of saying anything you'd like to add that we haven't covered yet. <laughs> I, I think we've covered. Um, we covered basically um, everything, and I can think of on a high level of the differences. I don't think anything we've missed really. John? No, I think we're good. You know, it's it's really about making the right choices for your business. Well, thanks, gentlemen. I think you've done an excellent job, Michael, uh, Sean, especially on um, clarifying those differences between um, vulnerability assessments and penetration tests. It's obviously a, a, a complex subject and an important one to talk about. So uh, we may need to do a follow-up to, to, um, <laughs> to go into more detail at some stage. Um, so we might have to have you back, Michael, at some stage. Will that be okay? No problem. <laughs> awesome well thanks again for your time um thanks sean and just remind people where do people need to go if they want to reach out to netswitch for help in, in any area they can go to netswitch.net and hit the contact us perfect all right well thanks very much gentlemen appreciate thanks, it thanks michael thanks james no thank you it's a pleasure